You gotta help me out though, because you're more plugged in than I am. But what what did we do to Gen Z? Gen Z's mad at millennials now. Well, I guess yeah, you're still a millennial. Yeah, yeah, I'm like I'm not the I'm like the tail end of not the tail tail end, but I'm at like the end of millennials. I'm one of the elder millennials. Yeah. So so Eugene, who's my youngest partner, he was born in '98. So he's like the last of the millennials. But a lot of people tell him that he's Gen Z. And he's like, I don't feel like I'm Gen Z. I feel like the age that I am, I'm just a really young millennial. And I'm like, it's way more fun for you to be Gen Z so I can call you a Zoomer and pretend that I have a man on the inside. <laughs> like, 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 okay, fine, you are a millennial, but like, can we can we play pretend and pretend that you're a Zoomer? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know where, where the war has started. I think we just need somebody else to be mad at aside from boomers. I think Gen Z can't, they can't really connect with, oh, with the it's, boomer it's easy thing. to be mad at mom and dad but it's hard to be mad at grandma and grandpa exactly yeah so they're like <laughs> i think also gen z is like well boomers just they just suck like we just know that that's default state but like millennials were supposed to be like boomers hate millennials so they were supposed to be like the big change generation i know zoomers are kind of looking at it and they're like what did you do like you just really like harry potter like what's going on <laughs> like uh which is fair and we don't, I don't think we need to get into Harry Potter. Um, no, we were sold the lie that we could be nice to people and it would make a difference. Yeah. Like if you go back and watch all the cartoons in the 80s and 90s, it's all like friendship and togetherness is all you need. And everything can be solved with a nice conversation and it's fine and rainbows and sparkles. Like, like that's what we grew up on. We grew up on mm-hmm. Captain Planet. We Absolutely. Believed, we were taught that reason was the ultimate weapon. Yeah. And Clearly it's not. that's not true. <laughs> yeah. No, the ultimate weapon is that seven foot guy in riot gear who's antagonizing cops. Just in... throwing their own tear gas back at them. Yeah, yeah. By the time this podcast airs, a lot of the stuff's going to be late. So if there's like... If that guy gets milkshake ducked, like we apologize in advance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to like be like, and then we predicted the future on accident. But like, stay safe out there, um, right, your guy. And also, if you uh, DM us on Twitter at uh, was Spidey there, I will give you my phone number. <laughs> uh, but that's not Spider Man because he would uh, he would not be on the ground and he wouldn't be that tall. <laughs> There's never is that part of the comics code? Peter Parker can't be more than like five eight. <laughs> I think it's five five nine or five ten. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh cat over here. It might be. I definitely don't know Spider-Man's <laughs> canon height right off the top of my head. Okay, uh let's get started. We got a I think we have a lot of ground to cover in this episode. Yeah, let's talk about the next generation. Alright, let's play that funky music, Spider Boy. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And this is a cool podcast that we like to call Was Spider-Man There? So if you've listened to past episodes, you already know the deal. I'll make this quick. I don't know anything about Spider-Man. And I am your friendly neighborhood Spider-Fan. That's right. So Kat is illustrious in her knowledge of Spider-Man. And so one day I said, well, 
what if I just started making shit up? <laughs> and then Kat could tell me if what I have made up is a real comic. So with Spider-Man there, we create scenarios, uh, or I create scenarios that I think would make for a cool comic. Kat picks the theme of the week, and then I uh, send her a pitch in a segment we call Elevator Pitch. Kat has plenty of time to research, and then we come here, and it is a surprise for me whether or not Spider-Man was there. There's also a second segment to this episode, but Kat is also a woman of mystery, so we'll just talk about that when we get there. (laughs) Kat is the seven-foot Riot Gear person, actually. She's got really big stilts. And a great throwing arm. Yeah, damn. (laughs) A league of their own out there. Mm -hmm. That's an old movie from the 90s that had Gina Davis and Tom Hanks, because I know nobody listening to this is going to know what that is except for us. Anyway, Kat, don't let me get on a tangent here. What's the theme for this week? Spider babies, (laughs) make your dreams come true. It's the musical episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Literally, when me and Kat were discussing this on Discord, I don't remember how it came about. But at one point, we were like, "Yo, yeah," because Kat said, "Spider babies that make your dreams come true," and I was like, "Do do 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 what I want, spider babies." (laughs) (laughs) And we can't put any music to it because it's all copyrighted. So thanks. Notes for that one. Anyway, spider babies. So we're going to talk about not literal spider babies, although I do have one that lives in my room that we talked about. Tiny Spidey's doing great, by the way. Good to know. I assume he's eating and doing all his homework because I do see him scooting around in my room. And I say, did you do your homework? And then he goes and hides because I'm enormous to him. (laughs) But he's alive and well. So this week, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the children of Spider-Man in various comics. And I knew this was going to be a big one because everybody loves a sequel. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> Peter Parker. I have come out of my computer room multiple times this week just going, <laughs> after reading a pile of comics because I wanted to be really thorough this week. There's definitely enough. Like, we could do a follow-up episode. There's so many out there. I feel but... like we could do a part two for a lot of these episodes. Yeah, which for would sure. Be, which would be fun if we pick up the traction. That's also another reason to hit us up on Twitter because you can tell us what your favorite episodes were and if you want a follow-up because we got nothing but time. It's true. And, and a bunch of spider babies. We got a bunch of those. So this week, Kat, I have cooked up a spider child for you. I'm so excited. Made him in a little vat, and now I would like to give him to you as a gift. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Honestly, I know this is cliche, and I know that that, uh, that this is going to be a kid's name. This was not even me attempting to be original. His name is Ben, because of, I can't imagine that a sentimental guy like Peter would name his son anything else. Except for maybe Wade, but we won't go there. Wade Jr. <laughs> so uh, Ben Parker, cool kid. His his dad is Spider-Man. He knows his dad's Spider-Man. His whole life is super cool. And he's reading up on like how like radiation like gets passed through generations. And he just kind of waits throughout his childhood for like his spider powers to show up. And then he gets to like 12 and he still doesn't have any spider powers. And he's like, dad. And Peter's like, I don't know, man. Like maybe you just don't have spider powers. And so then Peter kind of has to have this tough conversation with Ben where he has to tell him like, you know, what makes you a hero isn't your your cool superpowers. It's who you are as a person and what you do with the gifts that you have. And Ben says, cool, I have a gift for building really cool robots. And so Ben builds himself basically a bunch of gear to simulate or replicate his father's spider abilities. So he creates these like cool little finger things that I honestly thought that I invented. And then I remembered that they were in Spy Kids too. <laughs> <laughs> 
that like help you climb yeah i was so hype i was like man i've invented the coolest thing ever out of my own brain and then it was from spy kids too but whatever he has those the like little finger pad gecko things and he has i know web shooters are canonically like usually a gadget and not organically created from peter's body but ben in my story does also have those i think my favorite thing was that i had ben create a different kind of material, like a viscous material that could be made into spider webs, but something that would be stronger and more efficient for holding human weight. So it turns out he actually becomes like a better web slinger than his dad. Yeah. And Peter's like, okay, well, I didn't see this one coming. And I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not jealous of my own son. But I think that the heart of Ben's story, I think that what, what winds up happening is that when all of these gadgets are taken away from him, when they break or inevitably are beyond repair, he has to kind of do some soul searching and realize that what's made his father a hero all these years is not his super cool spider powers it's tenacity and diligence to do the right thing and with great power comes great responsibility and also so many very tiny little screws (laughs) um so that's the story of uh, ben parker who i know i know there's another ben parker out there but that is my uh spider-man original character do not steal which is the title of another episode you should go listen to that one Uh, so cat you know what i'm gonna ask you now was spider-man there Was Spider-Man there? And did he have a really cool, smart kid with no superpowers? <laughs> with no superpowers. That's that's the hitch here. Yeah. So you're definitely right. There have been scores of Bens. Yes. And like I said, I've been reading a lot of comics. Obviously, with things like Spider-Verse in play, there are canonically a lot of different versions of Peter Parker and how his life is played out. And some of those Peter Parkers have children. And some of those children are named Ben. So many of them. So many of them. <laughs> Are the other ones named, like, Gwen? Uh, I don't remember any Gwens. There's a lot of versions of May. Okay. Uh, There was a Claire in the mix. Okay. And an Ashley. But as far as I could tell, there wasn't really a story that sounded quite like this. Which is a shame, and I think you incidentally tapped into something that makes the Spider-Man character really unique and cool, is that more so than I think most superhero characters, he wrestles with the dichotomy of his choice or lack thereof to be yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. And the whole responsibility aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he decided famously in the comics, the the storyline got mirrored in the second Raimi Spider-Man movie. When he decides he's just going to stop being Spider-Man and focus on his own life, that was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously something he couldn't live with. So... That really raises an interesting question if we have the next kid in line who doesn't have these powers. Like, are they under the same obligation to become a hero? Right. And take on all that extra responsibility and all that extra risk. And so I think that this would be actually a fascinating story to read Mm -hmm. just because... I think that this Ben Parker you've created sounds really cool. And I think that those conversations that they would have and that struggle would be really interesting to read. So spoiler alert, as I was looking, I couldn't find anything quite like this. Mm -hmm. I kind of got in the neighborhood, but... In the friendly um, neighborhood? The friendly neighborhood, (laughs) but not too close. So I can tell you what I did find. Okay. The first one is a character that I think you're familiar with from the movie but maybe not the comic book incarnation, which is Penny Parker. Yes. And we see Penny, a lot of people saw Into the Spider-Verse. Not enough people. Go watch it if you haven't. Yeah, um, come on. The Miles Morales game's coming out, guys. You gotta go yeah. and, you gotta catch up on that. Get primed. And the Penny Parker that's in Into the Spider-Verse was, weirdly, was made more Western-friendly. Um, yeah. And that was kind of one of, the criti- one of the few criticisms that I saw about the characterizations in that movie, was that the Penny Parker in that movie was like almost a 
anime parody as opposed to being an homage i really felt ways. i really felt that way too because she definitely kind of came across as like like when there's an anime character in a western cartoon exactly yeah she she came across like she was designed by somebody who studied those how to draw manga books or something um <laughs> just got them out yeah don't get me wrong like she's adorable and there's parts of her characterization that i really like but the penny parker in the comics it's it's a whole other game. Mm-hmm. And I almost talked about her during the Japan episode we did, but I'm glad I didn't because I get to talk about her more in depth now. So obviously we know her from the Into the Spider-Verse movie, and she's also a part of the uh, Spider-Verse event and the Spider-Geddon event. And what makes her different than a lot of the other spider characters is that she personally has no powers. If you like go back and watch Into the Spider-Verse, there's that scene where all of the spider people are up on the ceiling trying to hide from Miles's roommate. That's one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie. And you'll notice that she's not clinging to the wall. She's sandwiched in between the other people sort of being held there by suspension because she doesn't have the like her hands are in her lap as she's sort of being pushed around on the right. ceiling in between them. And that's that's the same case in the comics. In the comics I would say it's definitely more leaning into that homage to Japanese manga and media. If you read the comics, the art style is really different. She comes across as being older. Like, she seems kind of middle school-y in Spider-Verse. And in the comics, she comes across as being more high school. And there are some direct references in the comics. Like, there's a scene in her classroom, and it's like, this is clearly Shinji, Asuka, and Rei, and Kaoru in the background of her classroom. Wow. (laughs) And there's, like, uh, tons of of lore drops where like she's on a subway and there's a fight on the subway car and there's a guy wearing the bad for education jacket from Akira, you know, like there's all these visual callbacks to anime and mecha anime and post-apocalyptic anime in particular Mm -hmm. that are kind of those, you know, mythology gags that are, that are fun for fans to see. So in her universe, she is the daughter of Richard Parker, who shares the name with Peter's dad. And he was the original pilot of the spider mecha, which okay. in the comics looks less like a big bubbly round spider and more like an Ava unit. Like okay. it's, it's a humanoid robot and it's kind of creepy. But not Leopardon. Not Leopardon. No, it's, it's a <laughs> more, yeah, sorry. It's more of the like organic running and jumping versus the like boxy kind of old school robot. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm with you. I don't think it's as big. It's maybe like four or five times the size of a person. Okay. Yeah, it's not it's not like a giant skyscraper to size thing. Oh, okay. So her father was the original pilot, but he ended up dying. And her aunt and uncle, May and Ben, who worked at the facility that created these robots and programming and all that, bring her in specifically to see if she can be the next pilot. So instead of having an incidental bite, we're like, oh, you know, you were in the right place at the right time. They bring her in to the lab and they introduce her to the spider, which is still a radioactive spider, that makes up half of the CPU of the mecha for made up science comic book reasons. Oh, that's really cool. And so they they introduce her to the spider so it can bite her. And it's basically, this is either going to kill you or it's going to create a psychic link between you and the spider <gasps> so that you can pilot the robot. Her and the spider have to be drift compatible? Basically, yeah. Oh my god, that's the coolest thing ever. So, so that was sort of something that gl- got glossed over. I think they say it just super fast in the movie and it didn't really land. Yeah, I feel like I remember there being like some mention. It was like, and then the spider powers the robot and all, and yeah. I pilot it. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So the reason that that was a big deal when the robot got destroyed was because like that was the last connection she had to her father. That like that robot was like half her father, half the spider. 
mm-hmm. but now the the spider is still alive at the end of the movie but the robot got destroyed so like she's lost that connection so that's why that was sad okay. and i think i think the movie just sort of like fa- fast forwarded through it so fast it was really hard to understand why and they didn't really have time to land yeah so she has a psychic bond with the robot and she faces a lot of the same enemies that Spider-Man faces. Um, They're kind of different versions or twisted around a little bit. Some of them are a little bit fast forwarded into the future. Sometimes it seems a little bit like Batman Beyond, where you're kind of seeing like the next generation of a villain's followers or something like that. That's really cool. So in a way, she is a spider person. She does have a mechanical power suit instead of having innate powers within her. And even though she's not... She's technically the Peter Parker analog. She's still kind of what you would consider a legacy character since her father was also a pilot. Right. But I super recommend checking out the comics that she's in, especially like the Edge of Spider-Verse and Edge of Spider-Geddon, where you kind of get to see more of her universe Mm -hmm. because the art style is really cool. If you are into Evangelion, it borrows, like there's definitely some almost like redraws where the artist was really inspired by some of the scenes from Evangelion to draw some of the crazy robot going crazy business venom shows up and venom is kind of like when the ava unit goes bonkers oh man and it's just it's really cool um and it's obviously like much more mature than the penny that we got in into the spider-verse so i think it's just worth a look at that's really hype to to think about too like i don't know i feel i always talk about this i feel like there's i mean everybody knows there's a lack of like cool female characters in comics because it's so easy to objectify them and that's just mm-hmm. kind of been the the way the comics go, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. I think that the Spider-Man comics do a good job of having interesting female characters, but like having Penny in, into the Spider-Verse film, I almost am a little more upset now because I feel like the character got so undercut. I understand that it's not a movie about her. It's a movie about Miles, but like we got these kind of, except for Spider-Ham, we got these kind of deep cuts into like Spider-Noir and, you know, obviously Peter B is like the, the big guy, Um, But I feel like Penny is almost there also as comic relief. So it's really cool to know that she has such a like a fleshed out storyline. Definitely. Yeah. I read some of her stuff before I saw the movie. And then obviously some of these comics have come out since. uh, Mm -hmm. But I'm really glad that they're kind of giving her more screen time, I guess, um, page time. Yeah. um, To explore the character because she's really cool and her universe is really cool. And is she still like a little girl in the comics no, or she's, she, like, she's older? She's like high school age. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's super cool. And I would have had no idea. And I really like that a lot. Yeah. So I would check those out. And then I wanted to give a quick shout out to another character I stumbled on. And this was part of my massive reading for this weekend was, uh, I was reading old man Hawkeye and old man Logan this week. And <laughs> is that yeah. what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Old Man Logan is what they took inspiration from to make the movie Logan. <gasps> okay. Where it's X number of years in the future and all of your favorite characters are dead. <laughs> and there's only a couple hanging on into this kind of crap sack world. But the comics are way darker. In the movie, they're like, oh, you know, Professor X accidentally killed all the X-Men and then they genetically modified food to keep mutants from being born and that's rough but like in the comics it's like no there was a cataclysmic event it was a big deal oh um but uh the reason i was reading these was because there's a a minor character in there tanya parker or tanya barton because she she's i think peter's youngest and she ends up marrying clint like for a hot minute 
Okay. Um, and so there's clearly an age difference here. And they get divorced. So like by the start of Old Man Hawkeye, they're already divorced. And they have like a older teen, younger college age daughter. Okay. Not that anybody's going to college in these comics. Um, <laughs> it kind of has this like Old West slash Mad Max kind of feel. Like it's definitely like a post-apocalyptic landscape and everything is terrible. But Tanya, if she has powers, we don't hear about it. And part of that may be that she doesn't have any. And part of it may be that the landscape is very anti-hero and anti-super and everything is very controlled. So it's just not advisable to put on spandex and run around and go and like going around and trying to be a hero is a good way to get yourself killed. Sure. And so she is um, a mechanic and it was kind of funny. Cause like I was reading through the comics and then I went back to like some of the wikis to like refresh myself. And it was like, Oh, she's quote unquote friendly with Ultron eight. And Ultron eight is a later version of Ultron. Who's like human sized and, but it is a super advanced Android that has no intention of taking over the world. And I was like, friendly. I don't, that's not how I read that. And then I like <laughs> went back and like read another thing. And it was like, Ultron eight is more of a father to Tanya's daughter, Ashley than Clint ever was. And I was like, yeah, quote unquote friendly. <laughs> so yeah. So um, in old man Hawkeye, like he comes by to talk to her and they have a daughter. So that's Peter Parker's granddaughter. And she clearly has spider powers, which she uses later on. So it's kind of like, vague as to whether or not that skipped a generation for Tanya or whether she's just decided like she's out, she's going to focus on fixing motorcycles, but she's out there leading the non superpowered life and has a propensity for mechanics. So I thought I would just mention her. And also if anybody wants to talk about old man Hawkeye, please hit me up because I have <laughs> a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I'm definitely, I will definitely hit you up because Hawkeye is one of my favorite uh, Marvel characters that I know anything about. I don't want to get off into too much of a tangent, but something we talked about in like the first episode is that I grew up really on DC comics and mm -hmm. not very heavily into Marvel. So there's really only a small handful of Marvel characters I know anything about on even on a surface level but two that i always really loved were thor and hawkeye um and it's because i was partially hearing impaired as a child and so seeing hawkeye well, that was really cool so i don't know maybe we'll do an episode about spider-man and hawkeye later because <laughs> uh, i really love clint barton and uh that sounds uh cool as hell thank yeah, you for bringing was, that up because i never would have known yeah um it was kind of funny because i was i was reading this and i was talking about it with, with some of my friends and i was like yeah, I don't know who, like, I, I didn't recognize the artist off the top of my head for uh, Old Man Hawkeye, but I was like, as someone who uh, comes from the Metal Gear fandom, I appreciate someone who was like, all these people are old, but that just means they're super hot. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Man, you can't just make me think about Big Boss in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> That's not fair at all. By the way, uh, happy belated birthday to Revolver Ocelot, our favorite Gemini. So having done uh, this extensive and incredibly cool research, I have to ask for your final decision, Kat. Do you think that Spider-Man's uh, corkless son was there? Uh, definitely not. Yeah, Spider-Man's son was nowhere near there. But he should be. But he absolutely should be. I would read the hell out of that comic. So I will be now taking my pitch to Marvel. My best friend Kat, who has read all of your comics, said that this is super good. <laughs> so you, so I mean, by law, you guys have to publish it. That's true. That's if, the deal. If Friendly Neighborhood Spider Cat says this is a good story, 
it's got to get published because I mean that's ba- that's free money for you that, guys. That's what I'm paying for when I subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> that's your shareholder. But, yeah, that's that's what that is, right? Cats on the board of trustees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stan Lee, in his will, said, "Let Cat from with Spider-Man there make all the executive Spider-Man decisions." What I yeah. know. Oh, no. <laughs> we should go to the next segment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Kat, do you want to tell us what this, what the second segment of the podcast is about? Yes, the second part of the show is called Two Truths and a Fick Baby Style. Because <laughs> in this part of the show, <laughs> I'm going to give Zeke two canonical progeny of Spider-Man and one that is from a fan fiction or fan creation. And Zeke has to try and guess which of these two are actual things that have appeared in comics or cartoons or some other media and which of these is has just been made up by a very creative fan. Now, I have, I say this every episode, I have a terrible track record for this, but I did get it right on the, in the last episode. You did. So you're on a roll. Yeah. And I found what usually gets me to the right place, unfortunately, is knowing the horny trajectory of things. And I feel like that's not going to help me at all right now. <laughs> but there's a cool Thor sticker on the line for me. So I'm really, I got to be in the zone with the spider babies. Yeah. Do it for um, Tiny Spidey. I have to. I, yeah, I gotta do it for him. Okay, hit me with the first plot. All right. Peter is alarmed to discover Oscorp is hell-bent on recreating the circumstances that led to his enhanced abilities. The situation becoming even more serious when he learns they're using his genetic material to do it. But rather than find a human subject, inject it with spider DNA... Peter discovers 15 super intelligent modified spiders and he decides to take them home to raise. <laughs> Sorry. Could you could you tell me how many spiders again? 15. <laughs> they're literal spiders. Yeah, they're spiders. So he comes home with an armful of critter keepers. <laughs> yeah. 15 critter keepers in his arms. And just a bag full of crickets. And so many he went to Benko and they were alarmed. Oh my god, that's so funny. Uh, do you know what happened was when you said 15 radioactive spiders, my brain noise was like 30 to 50 feral radioactive spiders. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love this. Whether or not it's canon, 15 baby spiders, that's where I'm at. How do you at. keep your children safe from the feral spiders when they are the feral spiders? <laughs> <laughs> they have to be the bigger, meaner feral spiders. Okay, oh boy. Well, this one's my favorite, but go ahead and tell me the second one. All right, number two. After the brutal murder of Mary Jane at the hands of the villain Cadaverous, Peter gives up the hero life, instead traveling the world as a frontline photojournalist. His estranged son, Ben, hates his father just as much as he hates the hero who failed to save his mother. So it comes as quite a shock when he manifests powers of his own and his great Aunt May reveals the truth. Okay. I like Cadaverous. I don't. I won't get into the villain gimmick until after I've made my guess. But I do love a villain named Cadaverous, who presumably is just a murderer. Kind of get, kind of giving away the farm with that one. <laughs> kind of just advertising. He's like, I know what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I am Cadaverous. And they're like, so you're here to kill us and make cadavers out of us? He's like, I know my brand. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so I do like this angst uh, boy. This, well, I mean, I can I call it angst? His mom got murdered? Yeah, his um, mom got murdered and his dad just left and like 
is okay. never there. Okay. All right. I'm I'm with it. Not with his dad leaving, but I feel that. All right. I almost said season three. That's <laughs> plot three. All right. Here's number three. Frustrated with her inability to enact meaningful change in the world, wannabe hero Susan Mary allows herself to be injected with genetic samples of Spider-Man and Deadpool's DNA, mutating her into the six-armed, lethal, and insane Itsy Bitsy, hell-bent on stopping crime, even if she has to kill to do it. Team Spideypool has to find a way to stop the daddy's girl from hell, a task easier said than done when she has the powers and abilities of them both. So she's hot, is what you're telling me. Super she, hot. She, she, can, she wears a tank top, barely. Wait, hang on. Is she a child or is she like older? No, she's older. Okay, yeah, she's hot. <laughs> I said she's hot, then I said, oh no, what if she's like eight? <laughs> They're gonna cancel us. I love it. I love the name Itsy Bitsy. I think the whole thing is gold. It's perfect. Why isn't there a movie already? I love it. This is arguably the three best plots you've ever brought me. I feel like I say that every week. But I really mean it this time. These are gold. Mostly because I cannot decide if the first one or the third one are the fan fiction. The second one, I'm pretty solid on that one being canon. I think Cadaverous is something that comic book writers name villains. I think Mary Jane getting murdered is something that happens in comics. I think Peter saying, deuces, I'm out of here. I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore is pretty pretty true to the course for spider-man the reason that i am torn is because 15 literal actual spiders is so fucking funny like (laughs) this is really not any comedy like this (laughs) i just cannot can you okay i don't know if you can tell me any more about this plot does peter live with anybody in this does he have like a romantic interest in this story can you tell me he does not okay like a romantic interest so he is a single man bringing 15 spiders into his presumable new york efficiency wow damn and itsy bitsy huh you have really stumped me this week you know what i have to go with my gut and i have to say this is no shade to any anybody that works in comics is listening to this which is probably no one but just in case no shade fan writers write way better stories comic book writers it's because they can get away with whatever they want so i think i honestly think that 15 baby spiders is yeah i'm gonna go with my gut i'm gonna say 15 baby spiders is canon and itsy bitsy is the fan creation so it's so it's uh canon canon fanfic that's my final answer unfortunately 15 baby spiders is the fanfic (laughs) what (laughs) Someone got paid to write Itsy Bitsy? <laughs> so much. Oh my god! I'm on, I'm literally, I'm, I'm floored. I'm floored. Now, I haven't been this floored since the Spider-Man fuck comic. <laughs> Which is what, what everybody calls it, yeah. Which is the one, yeah. In the, in the business, it's known as the Yeah, Spider-Man that's the, in, the industry term. The one where he fucks. And just relentlessly, just endlessly. That's where the 15 baby spiders came from. I'm with yeah, you now. Obviously, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with, I see you, multiverse. I know how this goes. All right, so let's talk about the one you were sure about. Yeah. So this is a miniseries that isn't complete yet because it was like on track to be done, I think, this month or May, but obviously Corona stuff is starting to wrench in the works and a lot of publications have been delayed. But this is the just series that's just called Spider-Man, or I've seen it also referred to as Spider-Man Bloodlines. And this was the one that made big waves because it's being written by J.J. Abrams and his son, Henry Abrams. Okay. So 
that was kind of how they were promoting it for the longest time was just like, you remember this guy from Star Trek? Well, now he's writing a comic book with his son. Really, it's his son, but also he was there helping. You remember him from Star Trek? And I think only three of the issues are out. Okay. And it's supposed to be six issues total. And I have to say that, like, when I was reading it, plot-wise and characterization-wise and, like, idea-wise, I'm totally into it. The art is really good. There's a lot of what I would consider more cinematic storytelling, which is good and bad. You know, I've seen people talk about how, like, they waste panels because, like, five seconds of a black screen in a movie to, to set a tone is one thing, but a whole black page in a comic where you only have 32 pages needs to be a big deal. Like, you can't just do it just to build a little bit of suspense. But anyway, story-wise, I liked it because in the previews, there wasn't a lot of talk about what the series was about. So when you're flipping in through the first pages and you see this fight, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's something really wrong with Spider-Man's arm. Oh my god, Mary Jane just died. And then, like, the next time you see Peter Parker, like, he's on the field, like, taking pictures in a war zone, and you see he's got, like, a hook hand. Oh my god. Um, Obviously, this final fight he had as Spider-Man fucked him up so bad. And, like, Mm -hmm. you learn about his kid, who's, like, rightfully angry and the kid trying to like grasp what's happening it just it felt very real you could really empathize with what the characters were going through Mm -hmm. and i'm really curious to see where it's going because it is kind of one of those building mysteries like they keep saying like the tagline for the series is like who is cadaverous and i'm like well okay probably you know i don't know alternate version spider-man from another universe yeah okay. time travel something like you know like mm. but we don't know and it's been months and i think it's been like five months since the last issue came out because of all the delays so i'm looking forward to seeing more of that eventually finishing said, it. who is cadaverous he said you already know <laughs> we're done i'm out of here fine yeah, whatever my name's cadaverous you know what i'm about <laughs> there I'm is a, no mystery i'll have a double macchiato i'm out of here <laughs> soy latte for cadaverous yeah <laughs> in the start right before they close it and the other yeah. 399 locations yeah um, wow on to the third entry that's itsy bitsy and she is from the spider-man deadpool comics mm-hmm. and this was one of those wild rides because the first i'd say 20 issues of spider-man deadpool are just like mm, so good like really good at layering story elements to bring them back in later and like slowly developing the relationship between the two mm-hmm. slowly like ramping up the risks and the and the stakes and by the time itsy bitsy shows up we've had a pretty big transformation for deadpool where he's not killing anymore and obviously spider-man doesn't kill that's his thing right mephisto who is kind of the devil more or less yeah is real invested in spider-man and corrupting him And kind of finding his way in there. So he works with Weasel and helps give him tools in order to create Itsy Bitsy. Because she's basically this unbeatable enemy. Like, how do you stop her? Like, she's not going to stop for anything. And she's super powered. And she's not going to see reason. So how do you stop her? And it's really, oh, it's so good. Because at this point in time, Deadpool is not creepy looking anymore because he's gone through like a personal transformation in his heart it's kind of one of those you know you always had the power to go home kind of things and he looks relatively like he looks normal he's just smoking hottie and wait 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 wait. so he doesn't he doesn't have like the bad skin anymore yeah i um, feel like that makes him less hot well Okay, for conventionally attractive. I come from the Prince Zuko school of hotness. I I understand. Remember, this spoilers for you guys, because I know Avatar just got put on Netflix. But do you remember when Katara almost healed Zuko's eye? 
and then and then she didn't because she used it for Aang. And then the whole show led you on to believe that he was going to get his scar healed, but then he didn't. And he was just a good guy with this reminder of like who he was. That's okay. This is my, con- this is my concrete for the, for the comic that's made so much money. To that's professional fine. writers. Uh, but go on. Well, and there are people that didn't like this for other reasons, but, but also keep in mind, it's not just scars. Like it's also painful. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But, it, but basically the important thing is, is that like, this was a result of his own personal transformation and like actually developing some self-confidence and like believing that he was worth something after mm-hmm. hanging out with Spider-Man. And as they're like trying to take down itsy bitsy, Spider-Man is like, there's literally nothing I could do about this. And he gets like really just mired about this and ends up deciding like, look, there's nothing we can do. We're just going to have to kill her. And he's like, I know you're not going to let me kill her. So he like incapacitates Deadpool and goes after her. Then he finds Itsy Bitsy and confronts her. And then it looks like Spider-Man kills her. But actually Deadpool showed up at the last minute and they did a last minute switcheroo. And so it's like Deadpool in the Spider-Man suit that kills her. Ah. Because he's like, I can't let you do this. Like once you, you know, take someone's life like this, like that's a road you can't come back from. And of course, like that undoes all of his self-confidence and growth and all that and you know mm-hmm. he goes back to being scarred and everything but like in that moment they like they, they share a moment where like spider-man's like i can't i don't know how to repay you for the thing you did for me the sacrifice that you made for me but i will find a way and then they hug and it's the greatest hug since middle gear solid 2 do they do a secret yeah. handshake first probably well uh, mm, deadpool's missing an arm but they do eat ice cream together. You can do a secret hand. It's not called a hands shake. It doesn't have the way two they do S's. it. Yeah. One handshake. <laughs> Single hand. High five before you hug like gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I will say that the reason that I didn't think this one was canon was because I know that the Deadpool comics get away with a lot, but it did feel, I don't know. I guess I have to learn to get over this. It felt really like shippy to me if I was like, oh, this has to be something someone wrote because there's no way they would be this gay in a comic. Because like, they're literally like, and now this is your baby. Yeah. That got made. And I was like, there's no way. But it's nice to know that the Deadpool comics, they just do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man Deadpool. Hella gay. It's I, a hella gay comic. I will keep the, that in mind for, for future. Spoilers for the follow-up baby episode. This isn't even the only kid. So she's like blue. She's like blue spider ninja, right? She's with like blue? A, yeah, with like a mohawk. And she wears this like cut-off tank top that has like the Spidey Pool logo on it. Good God. <laughs> like, I didn't want to put that in there because I thought that would lead you even more. <laughs> yeah. If you had said that, I'd have been like, it's over. That one's a fanfic, obviously. No. Wow. Okay. Tell me about 15 Baby Spiders. I'm so 15 excited to hear this. 15 Baby Spiders. Okay. So this is a fanfic. It's called A Question of Genetics, and it's by Wings Without Strings. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was having a hard time finding kid fic that wasn't like too close to canon because like I found some, but it was like Peter and Mary Jane have a baby and it's small. And I'm like, well, okay, but that doesn't really set it apart. From, <laughs> and, then, like, then, and then the baby is there. Yeah. And I, and also because I was dead set on using Itsy Bitsy, I didn't want to find anything that was like super like Spidey pull shippy either. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was really tough. So I was like, OK, I need to find something where like it's not similar to the other two stories that I've already picked out for this week. And I was going through all the different, and then I was like, wait, the spiders are the babies. The babies are spiders, not human. Like, that's perfect. But yeah, this is actually part of a two-part series. Mm -hmm. And this happens in the MCU. So this is like teenage Peter Parker bringing all the spiders home to Aunt May's apartment. And this is the first of two parts. I've only read the first one. 
but I will definitely go back and read the second part because the first part is about him like bringing them home and they're like these giant spiders like they're already large like he breaks into Oscorp because he realizes he's being trailed by Oscorp and so he breaks in and he finds this research lab where all these spiders are being contained and he finds out that they're set to be destroyed and he's like well they can't destroy them you know they're still living being and so he takes them all home and gives them all names and Ned is like, I want to name one. <laughs> and May's like, this is my life now. <laughs> but yeah, I think the second part is about them moving to like, maybe the Avengers compound or somewhere upstate where they have more room because these spiders get big, like real big. Oh, like, oh, okay. Like big, big. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love vegan Peter Parker. I love that he's like, there. you cannot take any life. Certainly not these spiders that are like genetically, I guess, related to him. That is so funny to me. Because, like, I can picture it in my head with Tobey Maguire. And also <laughs> Tom Holland. Okay, here's some deep cut. Uh, was Spider-Man there, Laura? Kat and I uh, usually go to a convention called ASEN, like, every year together. We've been doing it for years. Coronavirus nerfed us this year. Next year, we will we will rise harder and stronger. That's a Game of Thrones reference. So, one year, though, it was big Spider-Man year. Or maybe it was the year Deadpool 2 came out. It was the year Deadpool 2 came out. And I was so in the sauce because Kat was so hyped to see Deadpool that I had a dream that Tom Holland had stolen a bunch of dogs <laughs> from somewhere and then called Kat on the phone because obviously they were buddies and was like, Kat, I've really, I've done it this time. I've really I've got all these puppies and I, <laughs> please, you have to give me some way to hide because I've stolen these dogs. I don't, I can't, I can't just bring them home. And like, this is the same visual I'm having. <laughs> like, no, the best part of that was that he says like, I've biffed it. Oh yeah, I've biffed it. He's just, I've really biffed it this time, Kat. So I love this visual of like Tom Holland Spider-Man with like 15 critter keepers in a trench coat. They're like clacking around in there. <laughs> He's like trying to sneak in, bring these spiders I've biffed it, man. I've really done it this time. I understand that Peter's whole appeal is that he's like a New York teenager, but I think somebody should just let Tom Holland be British Spider-Man. It would be yeah, so that cute. would be great. That'd be so cute. I'd be all about that. Tom Holland's so cute. Tom Holland, if you're listening, you're really cute. You're the best Spider-Man, best one. Sorry, I know. <laughs> I know. I talked directly to Tobey Maguire in the first episode. This is my big betrayal. Tom Holland's best Spider-Man. Let's kiss this guy for Tom Holland and his stolen puppies. Yeah. And spiders. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned a lot in this episode. I've had a really great time, but I think I could stand to learn a little bit more. Kat, do you have any cool trivia for us this week? I've got a silly one today. I love silly trivia. Yeah. I'll just ask you to start out. What do you think Spider-Man's favorite food is? Hmm. I think it's, wait, it's a hot dog, right? Like just straight up New York hot dog? Yeah, like regular. Well, I'm from Chicago, so I'm not, I'm not from Chicago, but like I live in Chicago, so I'm biased about a hot dog. So like if it's not a Chicago style dog, it's just a right, it's just a hot dog to me. But I think that Peter Parker's favorite food is a hot dog. Um, big hot dog fan, for sure, and very passionate about pizza. But it's actually, at least it has been written down, and he has in words said, his favorite food is his Aunt May's wheat cakes, which I had to look up, because what the hell is a wheat cake? Yeah, what the hell is that? And it's like a pancake, but worse. It's it's from, it's a white people thing. (laughs) It's like an old white people thing, because there is actually an older comic, I'd say it's probably from the 70s, where they publish like Aunt May's wheat cake recipe. <gasps> what? And just looking at this recipe and like the quantity of ingredients, I'm like, there's no way. That's not a batter. Did you make it? Le- cat? 
I did not. It leans really heavily into buckwheat flour. Okay. Which, if you're not familiar, is like the ingredient that they use to make soba noodles out of. Mm -hmm. So it's like a very dense grain. And it doesn't contain a lot of moisture, like, in itself. Yeah. And just, like, the recipe, like, looking at it, it's like, okay, there's, like, a tablespoon of molasses. I was gonna like, say, this sounds like a pioneer recipe. When yeah, you said no, wheat cakes, I was like, this sounds like some like some shit you find in, like, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, on the part of the Cracker Barrel mer- menu that nobody orders from. Oh, my God. But it also just, like, doesn't have enough liquid in it. And so... Like, I have watched videos where people made it, and they're like, you have to add more water to this, or, like, you have to add more liquid to it, because otherwise it's just can't make a cake out of it. And it's just, it's really funny to me, because it's like, what a random, that's the power bland food. Do you know why that's Spider-Man's favorite? Because the whole shtick of Spider-Man, at his core, the end-all, be-all of the character of Spider-Man, is family. Is how much you love your family. And... This is just testament to that because literally no one on earth would eat this if it was not given to them by someone that they loved and were related to. It's true. And Peter only thinks it's his favorite because his aunt may has served them to him. Yeah, it's not it's not so much the wheat cakes, it's the like the memory of eating wheat cakes at yeah. the table with Uncle Ben on on a Sunday morning. It's the love. Love is stored in the wheat cakes and hopefully also brings some moisture to the party. <laughs> reason i guess hot dog was because but i remember when the avengers first came out like the first avengers and it was a huge deal there was a comic that circulated tumblr quite a bit of peter parker telling loki how to order a hot dog that's adorable and that's why i was like oh i'm gonna get this one but even even now i'm wrong uh so i have a lot more to learn and that's why we're gonna have a billion episodes it's true i've got so many ideas cat where can the people find us you can find us on Twitter at WasSpideyThere, or you can drop us an email at WasSpideyThere at gmail.com. We do take applications for sponsorships, episode ideas, seven foot tall riot gear guy. I'm here. Listen, I have, I have a microphone and access to the internet. We could have, we could have an arrangement. Also, if you guys just have any ideas for new episodes, that's kind of the goal here. <laughs> but I will uh, be thirsty on main on my, on my podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, my name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. What's up, Spider Pals? It's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories that we talked about today, you should go check out the issues they're from. Here they are. It's Edge of Spider-Verse, number five. Edge of Spider-Geddon, number two. 2020 Spider-Verse, number three. Old Man Hawkeye, number one and number three. Spider-Man Bloodlines. Spider-Man Deadpool, number 17 and 18. And our incredible featured fic this week is A Question of Genetics by Wings Without Strings. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.